Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Twins in a Mic. This is episode 16. And yes, we know it has been a while um, to the point where I'm struggling to even talk properly right now. But um, yes, if you've been paying attention, we haven't podcasted in maybe five weeks, which is insane um, because we should be around episode 20 by now. And actually, it was I actually came across an interesting statistic the other day, and I was telling my brother, which is apparently ninety percent of podcasts never get beyond twenty-one episodes. So only ten percent of podcasters actually get to the point where they make more than twenty-one episodes. So when I heard that, I was like, "Damn, you know, it's been a while since we podcasted, and we would have fallen into that statistic." But um, it's not because we were lazy or we didn't want to podcast. It was just insane. Like life got incredibly busy. People were getting engaged. People were getting married. We went on holidays, birthdays. You know, Eli dislocated his pinky or pinky toe. Yep, went 90 degrees and he pulled it back into its socket. My wife and I got COVID pretty badly. So it was just an amalgamation of various events and that really set us back but you know we didn't force ourselves to podcast actually i forgot one more thing i had an assignment due as well um because i am studying also for for a diploma um but here we are you know we're back at it you know we promise to continue podcasting even if we're not you know going to explode anytime soon which it's all about consistency and that's what that's um that article that i was reading was talking about saying that you know in order for any podcast to reach true success you really have to get beyond 21 episodes and it's all about grinding away in a way but i I do this because i do enjoy it quite a bit um, and it really helps me process and clarify my thoughts and even i feel like now that the weather is changing and it's warming up for us here in sydney I was like, you, there's that, there's an extra level of motivation to kind of, you know, get things done and go out again and, you know, just real energy because of all that vitamin D that we're getting in our system. Um, so I'll let Eli say his hellos. I think my wife is doing something weird in the background. Hello, everyone. It's been a while. Oh, wait. For the Gen Zs out there, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have a different take on um, this than Sam. And yeah, we've had a very busy busy <coughs> uh, couple of weeks, social activities. And for me, I, I actually just prefer to podcast when I feel like it. Like I don't have um, a number in my head in terms of, you know, we should be at podcast 21 or 20 you know by this time i don't i don't like subscribe to those metrics for me it's just like if i feel it if i have something to say um then i want to do it right so like i prefer it to come from a place of authenticity than a place of um and being forced into it because like we know guys anything society or as they say in the bathroom (laughs) if you have to force it then it's probably crap you know what i mean so Oh, is that how, 
when a person's passing wind. I can't remember. I think if you have to force force it out. Yeah. Anyways, you get the point. So Sam was right. Like um, sometimes in life, you honestly just can't control the activity, the activities that you have happening around you. And the idea is really to surrender to that process and trying to figure out, you know, what are my priorities at the moment? And, you know, giving yourself some reprieve, some self-care and just saying to yourself, you know, um, I'm just going to get a massage today instead of podcasting or I'm going to hang out with friends. Um, but yeah, for, like for me personally, like the podcasting is just a great way to externalize my thoughts, um, possibly share some with, wisdom. Wisdom. I can't actually pronounce. See, I had an issue since grade four because my parents, um, you know, they come from a multicultural background and like my dad could never really pronounce um, S correctly. And I was conditioned or I picked it up from him when I like would say the word that contained S, I would say as a Z. So, um, so the word that I used to always struggle with is this actually with, I used to say whiz <laughs> and I don't, yeah. Anyway, I had to really work on it. I remember my brother and my sister would make fun of me and they'd spend hours trying to tell me like, it's with, with, and I'd be like, whiz, whiz. Um, but eventually got there. And anyways, um, yeah. So today's podcast guys, is the topics that we would cover, or at least let's just let it flow organically. But the first thing that Sam and I said we want to talk about is the concept of the evil eye. And the concept of the evil eye is a narrative or a theme that's present in many cultures, right? In Middle Eastern culture, in Indian culture, um, Italian, Greek. Italian, Greek. And we've all seen, you know, people put the that symbol, you know, that... Um, yeah, it's a charm. It's blue with like the black eye. Uh, well, according to a man, it's eye of Horus. Um, I used to, I used to also think that that was the case. Like it comes, it comes from like ancient Egypt. You know the, because um, Horus had only one functioning eye because he was blind in the other in the other eye. Um, and guys, if I'm struggling to communicate, it's probably because of the retrogrades that are happening. We have seven retro planets in retrograde, especially one in our communication planet mercury and as a virgo yeah it really affects us um and so uh, probably a lot of you out there are probably experiencing some weird things energetically maybe like struggling with communication you know like miscommunication um just some weird things happening like apparently that's generally tied to retrogrades anyways moving on from that topic so back to the evil eye um yeah so for me personally like i definitely believe in the concept of evil eye and it's something that's even ingrained in islamic um, well I, I can't speak on behalf of the other religions i don't know it as well but like islamically i know that it is a, it is a belief that's held that somebody can jinx you curse you whatever you want to say um with the evil eye which is like an eye of envy basically so you, you see a person they have a nice house a nice car or good health and the other person may not realize by saying like, or maybe it's just even a feeling. They see that person and they're like, um, they, sh they basically have this envy towards that individual. And that is enough to essentially like, in a way, curse them, right? And they say, like, I'm sure people out there have experience where it's like, I bought a car and then 
you've posted it on Instagram or something. And the next thing you know it, you know, something's happened. The windshield's broken or, you know, you've had a car accident or whatever it is. Or even if you have holiday pictures and, you know, you have pictures of yourself out in the sun and enjoying your time or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have sunny weather and all of us, it's become like cloudy and gloomy and, you know, like the holiday, potentially there's conflict and it's ruined. So what I used to actually do is I, I was very reluctant to post a lot of content on Instagram because I felt strongly in the, like whenever I would post something, like there would be a consequence to it. And it's because it's inevitable. Some people may not, you know, have the intention to send you the evil eye, but, you know, unintentionally that that envy um, sends the bad energy or the bad um, vibes your way. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't post um, a lot of content on Instagram. Now, to be honest, I've kind of, I've kind of accepted the fact that um, it does exist and to just be conscious about what I post. And I generally will post things after the fact, like after the event, so that, you know, it's like you don't want to basically post something during the event so that somebody like sees it and then, you know, they jinx you and then the whole night's ruined, right? So I would generally try to prefer to post after the event. I try to avoid posting a lot of stuff like family content. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very interesting um, concept. And yeah, I'll, I'll just pass on to Sam and let's see, let's hear his opening remarks about just this con- uh, on this topic. So I think um, Eli summarized it pretty well. And yeah, essentially what it comes to this concept, actually, I thought might be interesting to mention has existed or can be dated back as far as 5,000 years. And, you know, you can go back as far as the Assyrians, the Egyptian, ancient Egyptians, that is, um, you know, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans. um, And then you look at it, you can find it in, in various religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, um, so they all have this concept of the evil eye. The only thing I personally don't agree with is when people use talisman or amulets and all that stuff to ward off the evil eye. That's a, for me, it's just a bunch of nonsense. But the concept of it, I, I actually do believe in, which is a person's envy. And it's not to say it will be like a person's willfully or intentionally, you know, intending harm on you. But the eye of jealousy does not send good signals out into you know the universe and maybe people don't believe in energy and all that but i i personally do and i have a few stories to share with people and i and i'll be honest with you i was very much a skeptic when i was younger and my sister used to kind of like and my, my mom as well a lot used to um say you know be careful of the, the evil eye you know we call it hasad right in in arabic um i'm not sure what they call it in other languages i can see in front of me here that there's various terms for it but um, yeah, they would say, be careful of hazard, right? And I remember once when I was younger, my parents telling us of a story where in the old house we used to live in, there was a really great, um, not great, but there was this, this tree and it was very fruitful. Like every, it was a peach tree. Yeah, every season it would just bear so much fruit and it was really good fruit. And then they had family friends visiting and then they, I think they were like, oh my God, like how amazing, like this tree bears so much fruit. You're so lucky. I can't believe it. How did, how does this happen to you? 
you know, I don't understand, blah, blah, blah. Almost like a bit of envy. And then my dad, again, he was saying um, the very next day, I think if I, if I remember correctly, he got struck by lightning or something or or pests or something. I can't, I can't, yeah, my, my memory's a bit foggy, but something happened to the tree like the day after. And then that tree died almost instantly, which was quite unusual. And um, that's just one story that, that, that I've been told. But my own personal experience was, this is a funny thing, and I've learned this lesson more, more recently, like, you know, people look at my life on Instagram or they look at how my wife and I interact in the outside world. And they'll be like, people will be like, oh, you must be so lucky or so happy. Everything's so perfect for you guys. And, you know, they, they, they can't possibly have any issues or problems in their lives. You know, everything just seems to work for them. But see, this is the thing again with, with um, social media. You only see a, a small snippet of someone's life, right? Or you, and you don't see also the process, you know, or the journey that that person went on to get to where they are. And most of the time, like life is pretty mundane and average, you know, so people are only showing the highlights of their lives. But there are a lot of people out there that are quite um, easily not tricked but impressionable and they believe that ah this must be how their life is all the time which is far from reality it's not to say life isn't good but you know everyone obviously is living this this like living in this world and there's the ups and the downs and the heartbreaks and you know the misfortunes and whatnot but anyway so what happened was it was 2020 we just got married we went to our, our first destination on our honeymoon and our, our wedding was pretty, pretty, um, a great event. It was very fun. Um, yeah, just very, lots of good memories. Um, we didn't share anything about the wedding, um, after, after we, um, after, after it ended and we began our honeymoon. Um, even when we were in Bali, which was like, the, again, the first destination of our honeymoon. Um, oh, was it the second? Yeah, sorry. Bali was the second destination of our honeymoons. We went to Singapore first, but we didn't share anything online. Then we went to Bali and then we had some downtime while while we were in Bali. And we were very cautious in Bali because I know people, a lot of people get the stomach bug and all that, but we had all these tablets that we would take before we eat that would prevent, you know, gastro and all of these other like, you know, nasty kind of parasites and viruses and digestive digestive issues. And we're taking it religiously and all and nothing happened to us for about a week and then the the night that i decided to share the wedding video of our wedding on instagram only a couple hours later um my wife and i succumbed to like a stomach bug and she got it far worse than i did and it was quite unusual because we were eating and doing everything normally and she had it so bad that she was in the bathroom, I think two or three nights in a row, just like vomiting her guts out. And I remember she would, she was sleeping on the bathroom floor and all I would hear was like ungodly noises in the bathroom. It was, it was so bad that I, when I tried to walk in to help her out, like it, the smell was so intense. I almost passed out myself. And I remember she was just, and I just lay on that bed thinking to myself, when was, when is this going to end? And it just kept going and going. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, oh, could it be that, you know, someone had like struck us with the evil eye? And again, I was quite skeptical back then. 
And I was like, oh, don't, don't be silly, but just be careful. So I, I, I didn't share anything, you know, for a while. And I was like, oh, you know, I just want to share some photos and all that stuff of our holiday online. And every time I would share something, something would go wrong, you know. Uh, for example, we missed a flight, I remember, um, you know, and we ended up having to pay about $600 to get onto the next flight. And there'll be other, other, other little like sequences of events. And I was like, wait, there's a, there's a pattern here. And like a more recent example, I got um, a new phone after having my old phone for three and a half years. And I got an incredibly good deal on this phone. It's the latest Samsung phone. And I won't say what the deal is anymore, but it was a really incredibly good deal. And I, you know, I was telling people, I was like, oh, you know, I, I got the phone for this much and blah, blah, blah. And they couldn't believe it themselves. And like within the first two days of having this phone, and I, I normally rarely ever, ever, ever drop phones or, or damage my phones or crack them. The phone just kept falling out of my pocket, out of my hand. And I didn't have a chance to get a case then because I'd ordered, ordered one online. It just kept falling. And I'm like, so, I was so surprised because luckily it didn't crack or damage or scratch or anything, but it just kept slipping out. It would hit metal objects. It would hit, it would just land on the floor. And I was like, damn it, maybe I should just stop telling people about this deal. Then as, as soon as I stopped telling people, like again, weirdly enough, the phone stopped falling out of my pocket, stopped slipping out of my hands. And I was like, okay, I'm just not, I'm not going to tell anyone about this deal. Even today when people ask me, oh, wow, that's a nice new phone. And, and the other day I was just like, yeah, that, that was my response. I was like, I don't want to draw attention to it. I don't want the, you know, people to be envious. And I'm like, there is something there. What's interesting about that story is I remember there was um, a friend of mine and, you know, bless them, like his family has a you know a very decent level of wealth and i remember um you know they have some really nice cars and one time like i saw him driving like a really beaten up car like the brother who is a very successful businessman and i thought i asked i asked his younger brother i was like why does why does your brother drive um this car right and it was like just imagine like an old beaten up car and um, he said to me that basically it's about, you know, that he doesn't want um, the evil eye on his family. And back in the time, like back then, I thought, oh, that's, that's like, that's weird. Like, it, does it really exist? Like, is it, you know, like, is he just overthinking it? Is it a bit like, you know, he's overly superstitious? And um, yeah, it was just, it was just a very eye-opening experience. Um, and then, yeah, I remember also like that same family, like, you know, I didn't even know that the younger brother had gotten married. Right. And, um, cause nothing was posted about it. Like, I don't even think there was a, like a big wedding event. It was like so low key. And again, like, you know, I asked him, was just like, oh, Hey, like you got married. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. And he's like, this is my wife. I'm like, oh, okay. And. I thought to myself, oh, this must be again the whole idea of like the evil eye. Like they're just so worried because like, you know, God's blessed them um, that, you know, maybe they've also seen a pattern pattern where every time they would discuss it or they would post it or whatever it was, like bad things would happen. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was again, like just a very interesting experience. And I think I learned a lot from that family in terms of like, you just have to be very conscious about um, 
what you what you like what you say what you post it's like it's also interesting because when i bought my phone like i don't even know what level like what iphone this is anymore like i don't even really care but i think it's this is an iphone something and um literally two days after i had bought it i dropped it on the concrete and i remember why because people used to always say to me when i bought it they're like you don't have a case i'm like no i, I don't drop my phone i don't need a case you know what i mean i'm fine and um you know literally two days later like I'm, I'm walking with my friends and like i don't even know how it fell out of my pocket but it fell out of my pocket and it dented on the sides of the phone and i was just like like mf i'm like are you serious and again like it just so then i went and got like insurance on the phone because <laughs> I, I still refused to put a case but yeah it was just it was just very interesting because i i do believe that again whether it's intentionally or unintentionally like people somehow like they will jinx you with that energy right we don't have to always understand the mechanics of things to, to you know to just to believe in it like you just have to see the the outcome the patterns like i know a lot of people who are very logically oriented it's just like that doesn't make any sense it doesn't need to make any sense you just need to it's like just look for the yeah the correlation right so like even 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 from a scientific or mathematic point of view like the, you know they always say the line you know causation isn't correlation but like there is still like you can you can measure statistically like the level of um what do they call it like standard deviation which shows like the relationship between action and outcome or action and event right so if if you see there's a 10 like a trend then you need to start questioning okay there must be more to more to this and yeah and like i know also a lot of people who don't post pictures of their kids like when they're born or just even in general like i know some of it is for like the whole idea of like the privacy you know like because they're you know there are freaks out there unfortunately but i also think part of it is just like you know you don't want to uh, invite um that negative energy into such a pure soul or pure like um event and yeah anyways so like in terms of the amulets and like methods of protection like what i personally do is like i will make a prayer every morning like three times for like and this is just like based on our traditions you know what i mean like not to say that there's traditionally it says you make a prayer three times but there is a prayer that you say to protect you from others envy or you know just that the evil intentions or the eye and because you got to remember like positive energy can overwhelm negative energy right so like that's that's what i do on my end in terms of amulets it's just interesting because like there's I, i'm sure all of us have heard the expression like when a plate breaks or a glass breaks or something breaks they'll say um the evil eye is broken right that's actually a good outcome because it instead of hitting you it's hit an object and it's broken like the the curse that was essentially the energy that was supposed to transpire across to you so um you know I'm, I'm sure there's some element of truth to that you know like that energy gets misdirected you know instead of like hitting its target it hits something close to its target um so yeah like you know i i've taken as a lesson like don't be upset also like when items you know material items um will break because perhaps there is a good thing you know in in that bad thing and that's also something that's rooted in our tradition is a saying in arabic or i think even in islamic um um like proverbs that you know a good thing sorry a bad a bad what looks like to be a bad thing may actually be a good thing or um a bad outcome may result in a good outcome something along those lines 
And yeah, like I, I remember when we were younger, like our mother used to put us like this, um, we, the hand of Hamza, plus also like the Ayat al-Kursi, which is basically a verse from, from the Quran, which is like protection from Hasad. Um, like whether or not, like that's, <coughs> excuse me, whether that's correct, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting that there's such a level of awareness about it. And like there's a need for the individual to protect themselves from from this negative energy and again it's just like i, I just think th as i'm talking i'm thinking like it's funny how people you know they like there will be a degree of people will be like yeah i believe in this and i agree with this but they're so logically oriented that, that you know they'll say um but you know when you guys talk about positive energy negative energy it doesn't make any sense you know and, and i think to myself like but how, how could you like you know how could you make that also argument because for example you know imagine the room is entirely dark you know, um, and you light up one candle and, you know, candle is essentially like the light that comes from the candle is essentially energy, right? In a different form and how that little candle can light up an entire room. And it just shows you that like the power and force of, of, of something bright, something good and how it can o like overwhelm the darkness. And like, I, I take that metaphorically as, as something that can apply in life. So if you, um, if you can balance out the negative energy with something positive, like a prayer, like I, I genuinely believe that you know you can still be in a position where you can um, share content, but there needs to be that level of um, I guess like you know a counter um, to the negative forces that are out there. It's, yeah, so I actually also um, try and do some recitations like religiously just to kind of make sure that we um like we don't have the evil eye cast on us and it's again just another thing came up which is interesting because like again anytime i would share like a post with me and my wife and like we'll be smiling or something in the post all of a sudden like you know like out of nowhere like you know we would have an argument about something stupid it's it's just it's it's, it's so funny like I, I i genuinely do believe people have to be very um mindful of of what they share online and similar to eli what i do now because look i'm not gonna lie like i'm i'm extroverted i like to share with the world maybe it's not the best thing but i just like to share my life because i have family members on on my social um, networks and i also just want i like to share positive experiences and it's, for me it's a way of storing memories because i don't like i don't actually go through the photos on my phone that i take or like you know it's very hard to kind of go back through these things whereas for me it's like instagram or facebook used to be a timekeeper for me of these events um and so what i do now is if if and i don't i don't post as much but if if, if we do if there is something like a wedding or whatever or like an outing or an anniversary i would post it a couple of days afterwards because i'm like okay so no one can can curse us on the day or and when i say curse us not intentionally or like you know it's it could be unconsciously when people are like damn i wish that was me um so I, I do it several days after but i thought i thought it was just interesting for us to discuss this in the first half of the podcast because it is it is something that i personally feel to be true um it's up to the individual whether they believe in it believe in it or not i know a lot of people out there don't necessarily believe in this stuff um but there is something there um the other the other topic i think we're going to discuss was fear um you know because initially i was talking to eli before the podcast saying you know 
like you know life is good right now and like things are you know moving in the positive direction but you kind of can't help but look back in time and sometimes think to yourself like you know what was holding me back from from these moments like why 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 couldn't i be fully present in my experiences why couldn't i really like let's say you're entering a relationship like fully throw yourself into that relationship you know like um just blind love or say for example you're starting a new job and you're you let's say you're not necessarily very qualified for that role but you know like anyone else everyone has to start somewhere and the expectation that you know everything from the, from the get-go is is pretty unrealistic yet we kind of you know spend the first couple of years of any job you know you know with imposter syndrome and i think a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome or feeling like they're going to lose their job at any time or they're not good enough you know why would anyone else want to hire them or they shouldn't apply for that you know that role or that um promotion or whatever so what it came down to then was like we said actually why don't why don't we talk about fear because that's something both my brother and I and my wife and and others I know have have spent a lot of time and energy trying to overcome you know and I guess the best place to start would be where does the fear come from so say for example for me I'll be very honest and transparent with everyone um I'm one of those people who's an avoidant type when it comes to love or I was an avoidant type and I'm slowly working to kind of be better and when i say an avoidant i'm like i'm that person that that's more like a slow burn and if someone gives me too much love i kind of push them away or if i if i if i notice someone's giving me too much attention or they're like googly googly gaga over me not that it happens very often but i was like i almost get in a weird way repulsed by it and i'm not saying like repulsed in a bad way it's almost like i'm not worthy of it or whatever whatever the underlying reason might be but um i have a tendency say for example back in the day like if my wife shows me too much affection i'm just like oh you know look at the dishes as she's hugging me and being very affectionate or i'll be like actually hey let's go we have to go and do something else we have to blah 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 rather than like fully absorb be present in the moment um, I try and find like a distraction one because I think I get overwhelmed internally and then two I'm like one of, I was one of those people where I don't I never wanted to be too vulnerable right because I'm like if I'm if I get too absorbed and I throw myself completely into something there's a strong fear inside of me which is the fear of you know disappointment the relationship breaking up that person betraying me um you know that person breaking my trust so i always had one foot in and one foot out you know because the the perspective was if i if i wasn't fully committed um you know the the blow wouldn't hit as hard um if things didn't work out because i always had like an exit plan or i i never really opened up fully and it's not to say that the person didn't want to open up fully i always wanted to open up fully it's like something was just in my head that that didn't allow me now that i've kind of worked through it all you know i understand it like you know again growing up um you know we were conditioned by our environment and certain events that happen to us in life where you become more insulated insulated and you create this protective barrier around yourself because you know people have let you down disappointed you you know um what's the term 
they've negated your emotions, right? Invalidated, Invalidated that's the word. Invalidated your emotions. Um, rather than validate it, people be like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, let's say if you had a breakup, like, just get over it. There's plenty of fish in the sea, whatever. But it's like, you can't really do that to someone or someone broke your trust. People be like, just get over it. It's like, what do you mean? Just get over it. But if, if you suppress a lot of these emotions and feelings, then you just go around the world wearing this protective suit and you you always have like an exit plan or like you say to yourself, I can only really rely on myself. So you miss out on really being fully in love. And the same thing with work, right? You start a job, um, you like you might have this fear, even though you're more than capable probably, um, of losing your job, you know, I have to really stay back late or I really have to make sure that this, you know, report or this email or this um, analysis is perfect. God forbid, should you, you know, make a mistake, otherwise all hell will break loose, you know, it's this, uh, what do you call it, the mindset, um, not perfectionism, there's the um, catastrophizing, you catastrophize, right? You think like, Something so ins insignificant, inconsequential, even if you did make an error, will ultimately lead you to losing your job and then you, you, you know, you're not able to pay your rent or your mortgage and then you're homeless on the street, your wife or your partner has left you, you know, you become overweight and you're a, you're a drug addict. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. Um, but see, this is the thing, like there's all these fears and, and I think a lot of it also is placed by society. And when I say society, I'm talking about like people say say to the individual oh you can't take a day off work you know like you, you like if you take a day off like th they'll probably replace you very easily and people at work would say it to many people they'll be like what you think you're so special everyone's replaceable like why why on earth would you would anyone think that's an okay thing to say yes very interesting um so I, I think so I guess from my, my experience, I would say that what I've, what I've identified, at least historically, and I'm not too sure if this is 100 percent correct because it probably actually is, but I, I think I fall into the category of fearful avoidant, which means I'm a combination, or historically, I was a combination of anxious and avoidant. So um, and again, this is in relationships. So like it comes back down to the environment you were raised in or your experiences. And I think, you know, when you come from a, um, uh, a family who, who it generally, who like, it, it's not limited to immigrants, but like, um, you know, I, I guess immigrants have had it pretty or had their experiences have been a bit more stressful and tough. So, you know, the idea of emotions has been sidelined. So your parents, you know, they're not like what you see in the movies. So you come back from school, let's say, um, you know, you've had a bad day or somebody like, I don't know, bullied you or, um, you know, like the, a teacher said something um, mean or whatever. Like if you would come back and relay that experience to your parents, like instead of, I guess, validating your feelings and tell you, you know, like, I'm sorry that happened, you know, like you know, this, this person, you know, might, could have like said it in a better way or this is, you know, I guess just try to tell you like, you know, it's okay that you feel sad or upset. Just like, you know, that's a normal emotion. It was more like you're made to feel, like, no, no, you have to repress that. You have to suppress that. Like that's this, you know, you're like, don't, don't be sorry for yourself. Like don't whine and complain or, you know, just um, focus on your work, like double down 
and and you know um either like you know focus on your self-image so that you look better or focus on like on your on your studies so you get better grades or whatever it was it was just always a very like a practical um answer and so what that what happens is then you like at least for me like you start to suppress yourself you're like okay so um i really can't share how i'm truly feeling with my parents also because they can be sometimes dismissive and say like oh you're just sensitive or you know you're just um you're overthinking it or whatever it is you know um and then so you learn oh i got to suppress my feelings right like um you know feelings are weakness or it's it is a weakness and same thing in terms of relationships like i think we grew up in an environment where you know you didn't really see your parents being like um you know that martha kenton um sorry <laughs> what's it called john jonathan kenton martha kent type relationship which is like you know your parents have this very loving affectionate relationship with, between themselves and with their kids whereas it's more of a relationship built on fear and again it comes to like to a large degree the immigrant experience which is like you're living in survival mode you're thinking about um you know you know like the material aspects of life which is like you know rent buying a house buying a car paying the bills you know i don't have time to think about your emotions you know and that's such a dangerous um such a dangerous approach because like the parents don't realize it in the moment but what you're doing is you're actually breeding fear into the kid and and it's not only just fear but like the fear in the sense of like you know as sam was saying like catastrophizing like bad outcomes can happen like something bad can happen if you don't pay the bill immediately or if you don't get good grades or um you know if you if you're not good looking or if you're like you know you're you're, you're going to be basically if if you're not good looking then you know no one's going to marry you like you have to you know look good or if um if you don't get high grades then you're just going to end up homeless you know you're going to be a nobody you're going to be a street cleaner i'm pretty sure my parents used to always say that actually to me that you know you'd be a street cleaner <laughs> i was just like again you don't realize in the moment like what's happening but that's the, the wiring the damage that's doing to your self-confidence it's like it's actually so toxic and you, it's just i guess the it's not the parents it's coming from a lack of self-awareness um and yeah it's uh I, like there's just so many things that when sam was oh yeah so um like for me i like i've, I've talk, talked about this before on the podcast but one of my like underlying fears was always public speaking now like a lot of people who know me they might think oh, but like you're a good public speaker right but there was always a level of anxiety deep down like i couldn't explain it like where my heart would just start racing even like I remember when I was in classes and I wanted like I would know the answer. I wanted to share my opinion. My heart would just start to race. I remember in law school, right? Like I remember this being specifically in Kathy Sherry's property law class. And I was just like, why? In my internally, I'm like, why? Like, is my heart racing? Like, w there's no threat here. You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, why am I feeling this way? And then I would like, you know, start talking and I'd feel this like level of like stuttering or like the anxiety, you know, when you're tightening your vocal cords so much that you're just like, ah, you know, like it's just like what you're trying to say is just coming out squeaky almost. And like it would always irritate me and bother me. And like from what from what now I understand, you know, what I mean, like having like gone on my journey and stuff and like learning a lot of stuff is essentially that was stemming from a place where um, like my parents never really gave that level of um assurance or support that you know you're an intelligent person you're a good speaker you know like this like there was never in terms of propping the person up even like 
even if it was just in, like them emission, like there's, it's an emission. So, you know, you've done well. There's no acknowledgement of you done well. You know what I mean? Or even like, let's say you don't get like perfect grades. There's no acknowledgement of the fact that you've tried your best. You know what I mean? To like to encourage you to keep going. It was more like um, subtle undermining or devaluing. <laughs> and then what that does is like it makes you start questioning um, yourself, like that inner critic's like, oh, hold on, like. Um, subconsciously my brain is thinking like what I have to say is going to be stupid or is not going to be intelligent but the other kids in, in the class in law school you know they went to private schools and stuff and like they know how to construct sentences and they know how to talk and you know I went to a public school like I remember like there was a lot of that mental chatter in my head and like it was all again it was all also very subconscious and um, like I was always in a constant fight with my mind <laughs> it's the battle between the head and the heart, right? The heart, which is saying to me, I know you're good. I know you're like, you know, um, you can do this. But the mind, which is the programming, you know, the conscious programming, how you're raised, was always making me question and doubt myself. And um, I'll, I'll talk about how I basically started to learn how to overcome these aspects. But there was um, another thing I wanted to talk about. And so... I'm trying to think, should I talk, or oh, maybe I can, okay, so in terms of how I overcame these aspects, so, no, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me rewind back, so recently, um, actually, no, no, I want to also say that the fear also caused me to self-sabotage in a lot of ways that I wasn't even consciously realizing in my life, so, for example, um, you know, when I would do an assignment, if, the fear of actually not um, being able to produce something of high quality that was going to get a high distinction or a distinction, um, which is just basically like really good grades, like anything I think above 85 and above out of 100. Um, I would always get paralyzed when I was about to start doing an assignment because everything had to be perfect, right? And that was the fear of um, failure. And so... I would actually spend like maybe like a good two hours on each paragraph and it would take me like sometimes forever to finish an assignment and I would start it straight away because I had a fear of I have to start this straight away because I know I'm going to take long because I know I need to get this perfect, you know. Um, and the interesting thing is like while I'm doing the assignments, I'm self-sabotaging because what do I do? And like knowing that time is a constraint and I only have two weeks and all this stuff. And for example, if I was on a roll with the assignment and I'm doing well I'm like oh yeah I've got this figured out and everything you know all right the paragraphs are flowing um what would happen is I would start to procrastinate like all of a sudden I have this urge in my brain to be like um okay why don't you read something on Wikipedia why don't you read this back in the day why don't you read something on Yahoo Answers why don't you go on a website and read about like just some random interesting facts um I used to read off like a lot of stuff off list verse um which my friend introduced me to and I'd like spend hours just procrastinating online shopping wasn't a big deal back then and i didn't realize at that point in time i was self-sabotaging myself because i would have just spent like wasted four or five hours you know on on this useless stuff and i realized that was my brain's way of like trying to protect me subconsciously from the fear of like um being essentially like well it's it's not the fear of being successful but it's like it's like this idea of what if you do fail subconsciously like what if it's not a good it's it it was it's just a very weird way like wiring of the brain um like it's a self-protection mechanism to say you know um 
I don't know, maybe Sam might be able to explain it better, but I'll give you another another instance. So, a um, couple weeks back, I had finished like this piece of work for my job and I finished it, you know, in good time and everything and it was a high quality content and I had sent it to my director and she really liked it, like the feedback, you know, was really good and stuff. And then she said, forward it on to these two other people so that I can get their feedback and so that we can... Um, integrate it into this piece of work so that we can then present it and stuff which actually reminds me i have a presentation for it tomorrow which i probably need to prep for and that i need to be in the city so um yes so what happened was instead so i got the feedback on the friday and instead of sending it immediately all i had to do was forward an email to these two people i sat on it for six days and i i didn't i couldn't explain it in my head why did i not just send it. Like my brain constantly every day in those six days said to myself, you have to send it. Like if you don't send it, um, you know, time is running out. You need to get that feedback because your, your director is going to ask for it at some point. And what are you going to say? So interestingly, I sent it on this that morning um, when my director had later asked me in the afternoon, where is it at? Have you heard from the feedback? Now, I don't, I don't like to lie. So I was just honest with her and I said, hey, look, I sent it in the morning. You know what I mean? And that's why I still haven't heard the feedback. And I remember in that moment, like this level of awareness just crushed me. And I even told my brother about this. And I was like, oh my God, like I actually self-sabotage my success. You know what I mean? Um, like all I had to do was hit forward. But my, but my brain just like would not allow me to to do it. I, I honestly, I couldn't explain it besides the fact that um, part of me also knows that I have a lot of potential to be very successful, right? Like I know deep down, but at the same time, I was never given that level of encouragement and support. It was always very much in a reverse psychology way with like unveiled threats and unheaded way. Like, like for example, just to clarify, you know, when we were doing our like HSC examinations, um, which is now called, I think, oh no, still HSC examination. So this is your year 12 finals. Like my mom would do this thing where she would stroke her chin and say this Arabic proverb, which is like, I will shave my beard. Obviously she doesn't have a beard, but it's just a proverb. I will shave my beard if you succeed in, in this test or if you succeed in like this particular activity, you know what I mean? And in her way, she was just trying to make sure because she would see us watching TV, you know what I mean? Um, and so she, this is her reverse psychology of trying to ingratiate fear into us so that we would go back upstairs and continue studying. You know, if I can make them be like fearful of the fact that they won't, you know, if they don't go back into their room, you know, they're going to fail on the exam instead of understanding that we just need some little bit of a break and whatever. Um, I think that ingratiated the idea of this like notion that, um, you know, you always once like one foot away from failure as opposed to saying, no, you know, you've done a good job. You're actually, you guys are going to be successful because you're doing this, 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 and that. You know what I mean? It just wired us to always have this state of, um, at least me personally, that, you know, like that mental chatter, which is like, you're going to fuck up. You know what I mean? Or you're not good enough. And it, like the voice isn't incredibly loud, but it's there subconsciously, right? But actually it was loud to sometimes when I was doing assignments, like, I remember I would be thinking like, I would still have like a week left, but I'm like, you're not going to make it. You know, this is shit. You know, rewrite. And I know Sam would see me like rewrite content constantly. And um, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. And it just shows you the level of danger in terms of 
when you are don't have the support systems from your parents um whereas that support system should be like encouraging and instead it's your it's you you live in an environment of fear um the other aspects for example like um for example when we when we got our driver's license like my brother and i wanted to venture out and get stronger through experience in terms of our driving but so my parents like their perspective was i need my children to get the license as soon as possible you know when we turn 16 because that is success they got their license early i can say my kids got their licenses right now they missed the part where it's like they get their licenses but then we encourage them to drive and to expand and to drive further and you know more challenging circumstances so they get stronger instead we were told you can't drive at night because you have an accident or you can't drive like really far because it's like danger like danger 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 you know and so like my brother and i like we fought against it in the sense like we would on the side like push the like you know each other further like we're going to drive here we won't tell our parents that we're, we've driven here or whatever but it was always because it was based on an idea of fear and if we god forbid crashed the car or got into an accident like m- the general reaction from my father was a very like it was an overreaction it was just like you know it's like oh my god like you know you've crashed the car like as opposed to like you know more like are you guys okay you know all right like the car it's fine like these things happen you know what i mean um you will learn through it you know like the car can be replaced like it was just always coming from a place of fear it's just like oh now like i need to fix the car you know what i mean etc and so like that ingrained in the in the person this this idea this notion that oh you know while i'm driving something bad can happen you know what i mean um and like that was just so such a it was like again it's probably unintentional just the way they were raised but it's like such a toxic mindset and you don't realize until you get older like oh crap like that's kind of really limited me in life because it's wired my brain to be in survival mode as opposed to being um in a state of just like presence calmness you know what i mean and and then <laughs> like you know, just other aspects in terms of like participating in sports, like God forbid you should break your leg, God forbid you should, you know, like something, like don't do this because, th- you know, um, a bad outcome can, can happen, like horse riding or, um, I don't know, like it was just always like, no, so just stay at home, just study, just, you know, do do this, do, this is success, you know what I mean? Like don't do not do this other crazy wild stuff, like why would you put yourself in that, in that position? Like whether it was attending a protest, whether it was... Um, um, and I, I know a lot of people can relate to this. You know, what I mean, they might have just different like experiences where you know they've 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 being invalidated um, by their parents or even a partner in a relationship, right? So, um, yeah. So in terms of like what I did, the steps I took to try to overcome it is, it's what it's called in psychology, essentially cognitive behavior. Sorry, cognitive exposure therapy, which is like you actually have to confront your fears in order to be over uh, in order to overcome it because your brain only understands behavior not thoughts so you can't tell yourself you know i'm no longer f- scared of driving far distances i'm no longer scared of social situations and speaking up or you know speaking my opinion or whatever it is because um thoughts don't really like your brain doesn't understand thoughts like you have lots and lots and lots of different thoughts right what your brain only understands is behavior so that is i'm scared of spiders right now in order to basically overcome it you have to see the spider in front of you right 
and feel that feeling of like, oh, I am, I'm scared of the spider, but realize that, um, okay, I'm standing now three meters from the spider. I'm getting closer, two meters, and nothing still happened. A meter, um, 50 centimeters, 25 centimeters, the spider still hasn't jumped on me. You know what I mean? And then, like, you know, because you see there's people who, like, can just touch, you know, a cockroach or a spider, and it's like they don't, they don't have that same little fit because nothing's going to happen. Like, I mean, not talking about redbacks or whatever. Like, you know, you have to be intelligent about it. But um, even, like, you know, people who have a fear of dogs, for example, like they think, you know, they were conditioned to think dogs are violent creatures. You know what I mean? Like, that's the wiring in their brain. Like, you have to expose yourself to touching a pet, to touching a dog. Um, you know, for example, a lot of people have a fear of, like, you know, swimming. It's just like of drowning. It's like you have to put yourself in the pool because your brain can only understand behavior. So I'm in the pool. Nothing's happened. You know what I mean? And you put in place risk and controls. You know, for example, if you're not a strong swimmer, you put on floaties. Um, but like you do what you can to to not necessarily control the outcome, but to mitigate the risk because you don't have control in life. If something's going, it's something supposed to happen. It's going to happen. Like you just have to surrender to that fact. Um, so for me, for example, in public speaking. Like I kept pushing myself essentially to be in an environment where I have to publicly speak and, you know, telling myself when my heart was racing, it's like, hey, there's no potential threat here. There's no, there's no threat. Why? There's, everything's going to be fine. Like, like just speaking, you know, kindly to myself, everything is fine. You've done a good job. Even if you don't get applause, even if you, if you did, if I tried my best, that's all you need. You know, you did a good job. That's it. Um, but like, one of the one of the big ones for me this year was um, speeches, right? Like I, I didn't do a speech at my brother's wedding, but then my friend at his wedding he asked me to do um, the best man speech, right? And was I anxious about it? Yeah, but I was like, but this is this is the universal test for me. This is to see if I can apply the lessons that I've been learning. And for me, what I learned is I also need to plan, you know. So I planned out my speech. I figured out what I was gonna like say. I even memorized it because. For me, I don't want to look up palm cards, right? Um, it's just mitigating like the risk that, you know, I don't want to like read palm cards because one, to me, it's like, it's a bit um, disingenuous, you know, like, oh, I'm just reading off palm cards. And like two, you know, if I'm following a line and I miss like, and I'm looking up and then I look back down and I can't follow the line, I'm just going to like feel that I've just messed up. You know what I mean? So I'd rather know, I know the content well enough, rehearse it and then just speak it out. Um, anyway, so... We get to the wedding, you know, there's lots of people like at the crowd and I just kept talking kindly to myself and saying, you've got this, you're fine. There's no threat here. You know, everything's, everything's going to be fine. Um, You've rehearsed it. You've memorized it. There's obviously still a level of anxiety because it's still like, you know, it's an environment that it's just, it, it's almost like high stakes. It's, it's something you're very, like not, it's something you're just not very comfortable in. Right. Um, but then, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I delivered a good, like a really good speech in my opinion. Um, and that was like the general opinion that I, that I got back. And it was just like such an eye-opening experience for me because like that exposure, like that kind of was just like, oh, whoa, like I did it. Like I spoke in front of like all these people. I like, I proved to myself through my behavior that there is no threat here. Like I can do this. Like this is, um, you know, like, and again, I reinforced it with like, you know, telling myself I did a good job at the end of it. Like, I'm like, I mean, I'm so proud of myself. Like that, that was such, such an amazing thing that you did, you know? Um, so yeah, so those, those are my experiences around fear. There's obviously a lot more. We can continue to keep unpacking it, but I want to give Sam an opportunity to speak because we're going to try to keep the podcast about one hour.
Yeah, we've got about five minutes left, and I just I thought what Eli was saying, you know, was quite intriguing and quite interesting, and all I can really add to that is my own personal experiences, and the, the what he really focused on that I thought was important was self sabotage, you know. So again, a lot of us have these fears which are conditioned into us, you know, for various reasons, and it could be any number of reasons, and you know no one's perfect our parents tried their best based on what they understood based on what they saw from their parents or how they were raised you know it's not to say that it's right but we owe it to ourselves to kind of be more aware and to kind of rewrite and undo a lot of these um conditionings a lot uh, rewrite a lot of this conditioning so for me when eli was saying oh self-sabotage is a thing i he actually clicked with me because i also self-sabotage see i used to think it was just my wife i'm like you're self-sabotaging be careful you know at work there's like you you're you're you're, because things are going so well now you're you're creating these these events in your mind or reading into things because you don't believe you're worthy of success you don't believe that um you know things should go well for you or your you know relationships should be easy or things should come easy it's just this this kind of subconscious um thing that people have in their minds and the same thing with me like i used to like put off like paying things until like the last minute and i'll stress myself about it needlessly or it'll be playing on my mind for days i'm like i need to do this i need to do this when i could just do it then and there in the moment or an assignment for example i would be like i know i have two weeks but i i i would be like thinking about it for for days and days and days rather than just say you know what sit down tell yourself you only have three days to do it do it submit it and it's over and done with it you don't have to think about it nor do you have to like slowly punish or yeah punish yourself with these thoughts right of like maybe not having enough time and all of this stuff and and not you know getting it right because the reality is there's plenty of time it's just i chose to waste a lot of time um and even to this day now when i do assignments i say to myself you have three days doesn't matter what the assignment is you should have read it should have understood what was required sit down and get it done with you no longer get to procrastinate to stop myself from procrastinating i literally do it three days before the due date because i'm like you don't have any choice but to sit and focus and um and that's 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 kind of what i've done to myself and even with other stuff like when i you know like with the construction of a home or like paying off um certain bills or doing various administrative tasks and 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 rent and changing credit cards and blah 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 i was like i just do it now because I'm no longer slowly, you know, giving myself this, this, I'm no longer slowly punishing myself with thoughts where I'm like, oh, something can go wrong or this is not going to work out and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I'm, create, I'm increasing the probability of these events happening, right? When I could easily address them. And, and the thing is, if you don't address them in, at the beginning, it becomes far, far more complicated when things do go wrong, right? And it's almost like I'm waiting for things to go wrong purposely so that, so I, yeah so i can almost prove to myself yeah i knew it i knew things see if i i knew it wasn't going to go smoothly i knew that something wrong was going to happen it's actually no so i'm like i'm putting myself in a situation where something is going to go wrong when i know that at the very beginning i had the solution straight away it's even like uh, <clears throat> your home you know like you know that if 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 you just put that thing away if you do your bed in the morning if you if you just do the laundry blah 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 when you when you need to rather than le- letting things kind of pile up all in one hit and to be fair I'm, I'm pretty meticulous and very organized when it comes to this 
but I know other people aren't and they seem to just like they let things pile up pile up pile up pile up and then they get really overwhelmed and they're like I just don't know where to start but you put yourself in this situation you self-sabotaged you knew that you could have easily you know done a bit here bit there but you know a bit of laundry a bit of dishes blah 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 and you will never really feel feel this this um this stress because you're not doing it all in one go and you're not wasting a weekend or two trying to get it all done if you just do a little bit when you need to do it like let's say you eat you finish eating just wash the dishes it's just one dish two two plates whatever three plates rather than letting it all pile up and then you have to sit there or stand there for like in like 30 minutes 40 minutes just washing dish after dish after dish after dish or even stacking you know the dishwasher just stack every time you finish something just stack it in the dishwasher you don't have to do it all in one heap and i think that's what what i realized with myself so i i was very much self-sabotaging similar things with work i'm like i know i could answer this email or this phone call and i'm like i i for some reason wait until the very last minute or decide to fluff around with other stuff only to make my situation more stressful for myself i'm like oh, i i only have like half an hour to do this report like but you had literally days i also just wanted to pick up on that point of like self-sabotaging and work because you might not realize it but another way a person can self-sabotage is for example in relationships you know what i mean if you're a workaholic right that in itself can be um self-sabotage i'll, I'll explain what i mean by that right so for example if you're a person who feels uncomfortable with intimacy right so when you are with like your partner and instead of like being emotionally intimate and just like you know vulnerable and opening up and having discussions like or saying something like you know i love you or you know like you mean a lot to me or whatever or like having those like like those quality time moments so that you have like you know that emotional intimacy and bond you'll be like um you know i've got a lot of work or you know um you go in and work on the weekends or um you know like whenever like um basically like you know you should be spending your time with your partner you just go on your computer and you're answering work emails or you're like you're doing work tasks and like that in itself is a form of self-sabotage because you're self-sabotaging your relationship instead of investing in your relationship you're making the excuse and saying oh no it's just because i have a lot of work i'm busy with work i'm a very busy person this is why i can't give to my relationship it's like hold on is that the case or are you just an avoidant? You're avoiding emotional intimacy because you're scared. You're scared of the pain of being vulnerable, of being um, expressive, ex expressing your needs, expressing your feelings because for whatever reason in life, like when, you, when you've historically as a child or in other relationships have expressed yourself, you were invalidated, right? You were made to feel that, you know, like why, why are you being so sensitive? Why are you, you know, like if you, you know, for example, told your parent like, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, I feel a certain way and they're like, you know, just get over it or like, um, you know, like focus um, or they don't even just, they may, let's say they emotionally neglect you and ignore you. It's like what, what, what essentially is happening there is you're thinking that it's not good. Like this, expressing yourself is a, so you start to assert, your brain starts to associate it with pain. You know what I mean? And so to avoid that pain, you start using these distractions like work so that you don't have to become emotionally expressive or intimate or whatever because that way i can avoid the pain right so you what what happens essentially is you just end up with very shallow surface level relationships you know what i mean so you have a relationship where 
You know, you're there with your partner, but you're on your phone replying to work emails because you're at the restaurant, but you don't want to be intimate or you just start digressing from convers- like the conversation to like the weather or something so superficial and so like insignificant in terms of instead of building that bond, that intimacy, it's like, all right, tell me like about your day. How did you feel about this? Like, you know, um, like, you know, and then what happened? And, and you know, and, and like, tell me, tell me more about like, you know, did you have fun? Did you like, you know, what, like, again, back to fun, like, your, your feelings, your expressions, but instead what, you know, what you get a lot of like society, like these days, it's like, um, like this, this very shallow, you know, it's just like, um, you know, people discussing about generally their work, you know what I mean? Or about gossiping about other people because it, it allows you not having to be, um, intimate. Right. And I, I call bullshit on the fact when people say, I don't really have anything to say, like, you do have things to say. Like everybody feels something deep down inside. It's just suppressed. And when you suppress it, you're essentially just building this internal frustration and anger that later down the line, it will just erupt over like something insignificant, which is why it's important. Like for example, like you're, you know, part of the emotional intimacy aspect like in a relationship is sharing your frustrations with your partner in terms of a certain behavior that they do, right? Because like, oh, hey, like when you do this, like it actually makes me feel this way, right? But when you suppress it and you just distract yourself with like, you know, a shallow conversation, work, Instagram, gossip, what you're really doing there is just avoiding, you know, that, that idea of like, oh, I'm, I, I, you know, of vulnerability and it's and, and such a dangerous thing. Um, and yeah, like the, the other forms of like self-sabotage, for example, is um, like from what I've seen is like in terms of being emotionally intimate and you know building a level of intimacy is um, I guess you know um, what was I going to try to say here it's just uh, I've lost my kind of train of thought but it, maybe because again I'm going to have to externalize my thoughts but like you know when people just constantly are distracting themselves from doing one event to another event you know um with like their partners it's just like you know we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to do this we're going to do that it's just like okay you're doing a lot of these activities these activities are fun but you have to also understand like people for example who travel a lot it's like are you running away from something you know are you running away from having to or if you're constantly doing activities with your partner like running away from having to be vulnerable building um intimacy with that person you know sharing your feelings share like your true feelings um yeah it's and and the, you know there, there's so many different other ways like people self sabotage or a person can self sabotage, um, you know they're, they're like their relationships, and it's be, like I'm I'm just trying to think of, of other examples um, that you know that I've experienced that I've witnessed. Um, I my brain's just in a bit of a funk right now, trying to come up with some examples. Um, I guess like another form of it is like a person when they're very passive, like it kind of like, you know, just very stonewalling, which is just like, I don't really have anything to say. Like, I just generally like, yes, I agree that there are moments where a person just like, I really don't actually have anything to say. Like maybe there's not a lot of thoughts, a lot of expression. That's fair game. You know what I mean? That, that happens and it can happen a lot of times, but you know, you can generally get a sense when, the, when a person is just bottling up, um, their true expressions. And it's again, it comes back down to like a fear of vulnerability, a fear of abandonment, a fear that's like it's rooted in some fear because historically, um, when you've expressed your opinion, somebody's shouted you down, or you know you felt a sense of abandonment, um, 
especially if you also like if you have an anxious attachment type like you might feel like you know if i share my feelings you know um that person is going to abandon me like they're going to see they're not going to like me. they're going to think i whine or complain or i'm like overly sensitive or i'm this or i'm that or whatever and i'm going to get abandoned and that's rooted in terms again like the way you're raised or your past experiences so <clears throat> i think it's just very important that a person takes note of how they actually are self-sabotaging and then trying to readdress those behaviors by facing their fears exposing themselves to it in a in a gradual way and proving to their brain that hey no like it's again it's it's hard of a head type of thing it's like no i don't trust my brain my brain is in survival mode um i need to trust my intuition here and say like there is no risk here i've taken the, the you know the necessary controls everything is fine you know and and or questioning your intrusive thoughts and um another aspect is like a lot of us why we engage in self-sabotaging behaviors or overreactions all that stuff is a lot of us actually in society are operating from a emotional engine right which is why we have like tendencies to overthink um, or can have tendencies to overthink um or overreact so when i say an emotional engine is for example you know like let's say you've ironed your clothes right and then you've switched off the iron but then you go back and check three four times right that you've actually turned it off now like that's you operating from an emotional engine of fear like your feeling of fear because um as opposed to saying you know operating from your engine of values like i know i'm a careful conscious person you know i i know that i always take the necessary steps to like you know i switch off the eye and whatever whatever and just trust that right you're operating from your from your engine of of emotions which is like um you know the consequences if what, what would happen if i didn't like you know switch off the the iron the whole house is going to go up in flames blah, blah blah like it's just this 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 reaction maybe a better example would be um for example oh, all right here's a good one so if, at work like there is a saying that pressure builds diamonds but this is why it's this, it's kind of kind of it's, in a way it's bullshit right because um if you find that you can only operate in work or any activity when you're under pressure or or chaos you're operating from that emotional engine because you grew up in an environment historically or as a child or whatever um that was chaotic like uh generally um for example like when it came to cleaning the dishes or vacuuming the floor like it was always your parent or somebody saying you know we have to quickly clean the house because somebody's coming you know like like this or you have to wash the dishes because you know the house smells like like it's just this constant chaos um that if things didn't get done like you know the world is about to fall apart um as opposed to just saying you know like we you know we we part of our values is to maintain a clean home and we have practices in place like when you you know when you watch tv you put the remote back when you like sam said you wash it like when you eat from a plate you wash the dish um like just that that those, those, you build yourself on values and say you know i trust myself that i have these values in place that i don't need to operate from an engine of emotion in the same way for example an assignment it's like i know that to finish this assignment i normally need to give myself three days this is like the plan that i've, I've put in place you know um and this is how it's going to like get done it's essentially like and i know i'm a person like basically reinforcing those values that is intelligent that is a person that um you know knows how to research whatever it is like like the, the values can be whatever you make them out to be but not this place where emotion engine is like i only have three days left 
like let's say you had two weeks I, I don't know if i'm explaining this really well but like you have two weeks and then it's just like you leave it to the last three days because your body doesn't know how to like operate from a state of calm so it's like i've had two weeks instead of just doing a little bit in piece of the work each day you're like you leave it to the last minute because your mind only knows how to operate in chaos because just that's just the general environment that you grew up in that was the conditioning the modeling that was shown to you like the, there might be a better way of explaining this maybe i'll give it to sam to explain it and then we'll wrap up but um you yeah and you can do the research into it there's a lot of good content out there on youtube and tiktok like look up um, operating from a va- um, from a place of your emotional engine versus values. I, I think for now we'll probably just wrap it up because I think we did talk about this in, in detail and we could continue it in the next conversation. But um, no, thank you for listening to us guys and it's good to be back and in the groove of things and we look forward to more, many more fruitful discussions. This has been Two Twins and Mike and we look forward to seeing you next week.